0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1206 in that Bible. We are continuing our series that we've called Spring Training, where just like the baseball players need to go away and get in shape as they get ready for the season to come, uh, we are talking about how are we doing spiritually? Are we spiritually in shape? And what can we do uh, in order to get in shape? How is our walk with Jesus going? Our key verse has been 1 Timothy 4:7, which says, train yourself to be godly. That we have a role in our own spiritual development and where we would say it's the Holy Spirit who actually makes us godly. He is the one that transforms us and makes us into a a new creation. He makes us more like Jesus. At the same time, we have a choice on whether we're going to participate with him in that. Uh, We can't just sit around and assume that it's all going to happen. We have a role to play. We are called to train ourselves to be godly, to participate uh, in this growing uh, understanding of who Jesus is and how we can live like him and walk like him and be more like him. And so we have done this series uh, wanting to be very practical and just kind of very down to earth and talking about what are the different ways that we can partner with the Holy Spirit as he makes us new in our lives. So we've been talking about what are sometimes called the spiritual disciplines and what they can look like. And so we're going to continue with this for a few more weeks. This will take us till mid-June, uh, and then we will be doing a couple of different things as we get ready for the summer. These are friends of ours. This is the Caldwell family, Mark and Jen Caldwell and their four kids. Uh, Mark was the youth pastor at Parkwood Gospel Temple up in Windsor, a big Pentecostal church up there. Uh, he was the youth pastor there for many years. And when I moved to Amherstburg, I was pastoring at a little Pentecostal church in Amherstburg. And so we were in the same denomination, and we didn't really know each other well, but When I moved down here, I got to know Mark and Jen very well. And when I came down, I wasn't married. I hadn't met Sarah yet. I didn't have any kids. I was starting out in ministry, and I was alone. I was moving down here. I didn't know anybody down here. My family's from the Toronto area. So I was leaving there and coming down here. And it was a lonely season at times. And Mark and Jen were just really good uh, pastors to me. Uh, They were a few years older than I was. They were further ahead in ministry. They were further ahead in life. And they would just have me over for dinner, have me over for coffee. Mark and I would get together for a movie or whatever, and uh, they just had a lot of compassion on the kid who was new at this and by himself, Uh, and it was a really good picture of hospitality as they would have me over. So they had four kids when I first met them, and when I met them, they were younger than this. Uh, The age range, I think, was between two and about ten, so four kids under ten. So this house is loud when the four kids are there. And they were fantastic kids, and Mark and Jen are fantastic parents, but one of the early times where I was hanging out with them, we had had dinner, and dinner was over, and the kids went downstairs, and uh, they were playing, and the adults were upstairs having coffee and talking, and from downstairs, the sound is just pure chaos coming up the staircase. And it's just kids being kids. It's nothing at all uh, that anyone who's a parent hasn't heard before. But there's just banging and crashing, and there's fighting and screaming, and give that That's mine! I'm telling! Mom!" And Mark and Jen are just drinking their coffee through all of it. They're not budging at all. And then there's times where there's crying happening. Like you would hear a boom, and then a ah. And again, Mark and Jen just carry on drinking their coffee, and I'm going, do you guys want me to go down and take... I I don't want to step on any toes, but that sounds like something happened. And Jen would say, they're fine. They're fine. Like, they'll come get us. They're fine. Uh, And again, they really are fantastic parents. Um, and so this chaos is going on for a while, like for, you know, an hour. And just banging and crashing. I'm on edge the whole time, because I don't have kids, and I certainly don't have multiple kids, and I don't know what kids are supposed to sound like, but this sounds really loud. I live by myself in a condo where it's very quiet and peaceful. And so this is chaos all the time. And so I was just kind of on edge. And anytime someone cried, I would kind of tense up, or, and just like, hey, you guys sure you don't want to go handle this? And then there was a point where Mariah, one of the daughters, cried out, and both parents jumped up, and Jen went charging down the stairs. And Mariah had cried out several times, and they hadn't reacted at all. Uh, But this time, Mariah cried, and Jen went charging down. And Mark said, oh, it'll be fine. She said she hurt herself, but, but it'll be fine. And I said, how were you just sitting there silently for like the last hour when there was lots of crying and lots of fighting and lots of crashes and all sorts of chaos? Like, why did you jump up for that one? That cry sounded the exact same as all the other crying that's been going on for the hour. And Mark said, no, it wasn't. It was different. It was a different cry. And now that I'm a parent with a couple of kids, I get it now, where you go like, oh, there's kind of whiny cries, and there's cries that go away quickly, and when they're fighting, you don't jump in every time. You let them work it out. So all of that was going on, and because there were four of them and they were young, it just sounded like noise. But even with all of the noise and all of the chaos, as they were just talking and drinking their coffee, not reacting really at all, they were tuned in enough that when someone actually got hurt, they knew what that cry sounded like, and they jumped in immediately. Uh, And it's a decent picture of where we are going today, because today we are talking about uh, what is sometimes called discernment, what is sometimes called being spirit-led, what is sometimes just simply called hearing from God. And we're going to talk about how, with all of the noise going on in our life, how can we hear from God? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. He is inside you right now. And the Bible says that he is speaking, and if God himself, who lives inside you, is speaking, then we probably want to be listening. That's probably important. And so we're going to talk today about how we can learn and grow in hearing his voice. In hearing His voice, If we are going to be more godly, if we are going to be more like Jesus, uh, then we're going to have to listen. And not just listen, we're going to have to obey. So we are going to take some time to dig into that today. Let's take a look at our text this morning. We are in Hebrews chapter 3. It's page 1206 in the Pew Bible. Hebrews 3, and we're starting in verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. They would not come into the promised land. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion So that's a passage that's speaking of Israel. Uh, Israel, as they wandered through the desert, they saw God do incredible things. God spoke to them clearly at Mount Sinai. God was always showing up in amazing ways, and they just seemed to have this cycle of, they would see amazing things, they would get full of faith, and then as soon as things got a little bit difficult, they would just kind of fall apart. All that faith would go away. And their hearts obviously got hard, as this passage was talking about. And so this is originally about Israel, but the author of Hebrews is speaking it to us as Christians, and it's in there a couple of times and more if you keep reading. That says, If he is speaking to you right now, make sure you're listening. If he is speaking, then don't harden your hearts. If he is speaking, listen and respond and make sure you are walking in his ways. Because we see in this passage, uh, God is actually not happy with Israel when he's speaking to them and they ignore him. And so, we as followers of Jesus, again, there is just an expectation in Scripture that God will be speaking to us. And of course, He speaks to us through His Word, but that's not the only way that He speaks. There are streams of the church that believe that God stopped speaking when the Bible was finished, that that was all the speaking God needed to do. Uh, We would reject that idea soundly because God didn't just give us His Word. Jesus also said, The Holy Spirit's going to come, and He will lead you into all truth. He will tell you what you need to know. He will direct you in the way that you should go. You will not be left alone in this life. God is going to come and continue to lead you. The God who is speaking to you right now in Jesus is going to go back to heaven, but God the Spirit is going to come, and he is going to keep speaking. And so there's an expectation in the New Testament that the Lord will still be speaking to us. And that alone might be new to some of us. And that's good. Uh, But we are, are trying to kind of walk with that just basic theological understanding. Jesus put it this way in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's three beautiful things in a row there that we would hear his voice, that Jesus would be speaking to us. He knows us. He loves us. And as he speaks, we will follow. And the sheep don't always know where to go. And we don't always know what to do in life. And we don't always know every path we should take. We don't know how to respond in every circumstance. We don't know what to do when we're overwhelmed with something. We do not always know what we are supposed to do or what we are supposed to say or where we are supposed to go. But there is a good shepherd leading the way. And our job is to hear his voice and respond. We are not left alone. And so I can spend a tremendous amount of energy in my life trying to solve my own problems. But a better use of my energy is how can I hear his voice? Because he's smarter than I am by a lot. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows this stuff. And so my job is to hear his voice and to respond. And if there is a God in heaven, which we believe is true, and if we believe that he loves us, and if we believe that he is wiser than any human on earth by infinity, and if we believe his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher, if we believe he knows all things and knows all paths and knows the plans that he has for us to prosper us and not to harm And if we believe that He is speaking to us still, then it must be very important to learn how to hear that voice and respond. Because it is exhausting to try and figure out life by myself. It is exhausting to do that. And if there is a God who is speaking and telling me where I should go and what I should do, then that's going to be very, very important. There was a Catholic priest in the 1500s named Ignatius, and When it comes to the Catholic Church, certainly there would be some theological things that we disagree with as Anabaptists, but the vast majority of what we believe is the same. And Ignatius was a Catholic priest in Spain in the 1500s, and he was thoroughly Christ-centered and thoroughly grounded in Scripture. And the heart and the call on his life was, how can we help people connect with God better? How can we help you in your own relationship with Him uh, go deeper? And so Ignatius wrote a lot about prayer, and he wrote a lot about uh, faithfulness, and he wrote a lot about obedience, and he wrote a lot about uh, listening to God and hearing His voice. And he created something called the Spiritual Exercises, which was something that was meant to be done kind of in a retreat format, where you would go with a trained spiritual director who would walk you through these exercises, and these exercises would help you uh, to tap into God's presence, to learn how to pray better, to learn how to be more sensitive to His leading. And so So today, uh, we're going to spend some time going through what Ignatius taught on that, because he wrote this in the 1500s, but it is still kind of the baseline for discernment. And even if you've read a new book or seen a new teaching on discernment, everybody is ultimately quoting Ignatius. It's just gotten so ingrained in the body of Christ for 500 years uh, that what God did through him in his teaching on this uh, is just kind of the standard for how do we hear God's voice. So uh, we're going to learn from Ignatius today and, uh, and what he had to say about how we discern. When we talk about the word discern, uh, it's from the Latin discerne, and it literally just means to distinguish. Uh, That's all it means. It's just how do we distinguish something. Uh, And so as we are going through today, we'll talk about different ways we can do that. Uh, I don't say this that often, but this might be a good day to take notes, just because we're going to cover a lot of stuff. There's paper in the pew in front of you, uh, and I don't want you to forget something if there's something that's important to you. But we are looking for how do we distinguish with all the other noise. In our lives, how do we determine uh, what is the Lord saying? Because as we are looking for uh, his leading, as we are looking for his clarity, as we're looking for his revelation, uh, he is not the only voice speaking to us in our lives. We have the voice of the world around us. We have the voices, voices that come from our government, that come from media, uh, that come from other people, which aren't always good. We have lots of voices out there clamoring, clamoring for our attention. We have voices within ourselves, right? We have st- whatever's going on in our own soul. We have our own fears. We have our own anxieties and insecurities and our hurts and our brokenness. We have the enemy out there who is trying to take us off track. We have the powers of hell that are also speaking to us. And so there's a lot of noise going on. In our lives, and so how do we tune in to the voice of the Lord amidst of all of that? How do I know uh, if if God is speaking something to my heart? How do I know if that's God or not? Maybe that's just me. Uh, and Ignatius had some good, simple ways to do this. What we're trying to do is we sometimes use the picture of a radio. And uh, I was teaching on discernment here a few years ago and I was gonna do a live demonstration of this with a radio. And so the amazing picture of a radio here is that uh, I'm still fascinated by this technology and I know technology's moved way beyond it. But right now in this room, there are radio waves everywhere, right? And there is a radio that is somehow able to tune in to this frequency or that frequency, to this radio station or that radio station. There's lots going on here, but by moving the dial around, it will tune in to different things. And so it's a decent picture of discernment with all the voices of the world and the enemy and my soul and my flesh and my sin and everything there. How do I tune into the voice of the Lord? So I was going to use a radio live just to demonstrate this, and I came in on Saturday to test it because I just wanted to make sure you could get okay reception in here. And as I was going through the dial, what I learned very quickly is the reception is very good in here, and most of the stations are from Detroit, and not everything they're playing is Sunday morning appropriate. So we'll just use the picture, and you'll get the point. And this, this idea of in our lives where, you know, again, the voice of the media that is relentless, the voice of other people that we have in, whispering in our ear, the voice of my own struggles and suffering and pain, uh, all the different voices, all the different attacks of the enemy, everything. How do we tune in to the voice of the Good Shepherd who is leading us. Uh, How do we get better at that? And it really is a process. Discernment is the art of us discovering what God already knows. And it is an art. It is much more of an art than a science. It's not like there's a crystal clear checklist that we can go through. It is a a relational experience as we walk with Jesus. We get better at it over time. Uh, We don't usually hear too well at the beginning, but we grow in it as we practice it. It is the art of us discovering what God already knows. And there is so much hope and peace when we understand that. That I don't always know which way to go in life, and I don't always know how to respond in a tough situation. I don't know how to tackle this problem or these circumstances. I don't know what the next step is or the right thing to say. I don't know any of that, but God already knows all of it. He's already got it solved and figured out. And so again, I can put all of my energy into trying to solve my own problems, or I can put my energy in trying to discern what God already knows is the right thing to do where his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are greater than my thoughts. His wisdom is infinite. And it's just a better use of my time to try and determine what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go, rather than me agonizing over how to solve this by myself. So Ignatius says there are three things we need before we can hear from God clearly. And these are all things that we need to work on over time. These are not things that anyone has mastered, but there are three prerequisites, there are three things we need to be aware of that we need to posture ourselves into before we can hear clearly from God the first one is openness here's a passage from James 4:13 to 16 the word of God says now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city spend a year there carry on business and make money why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Some nice light encouragement from the word of God this morning. James just punches us in the face sometimes. It's a good book and it's a hard one. And so James is talking about, I think, most of us, which is where we just say, well, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to do what I want to do. And his point here is if we have submitted our life to Jesus, if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, then he actually has to be the Lord of our lives. And when you make someone else the Lord of your life, you have to give up some stuff because you're not the boss anymore. And so there's a very natural attitude in here which just says, I'm just gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. James says, whoa, 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 if Jesus is Lord, you don't get to just do whatever you want. If Jesus is Lord, your posture now becomes, if it's God's will, I will go and do those things. If he wills it, and if he doesn't, that might be disappointing to me on a personal level, but I'm going to trust that he knows more than I do. I'm going to trust that his ways are higher than my ways. And so there's an attitude adjustment that needs to happen in us, and the openness that we need in discernment is that if we're going to ask God to speak, we actually have to be open to whatever he wants to say, even if he takes us in a different direction than we would have thought. Even if he takes us into something that we maybe uh, would have never dreamed up on our own, even if it means I have to give up something that I was hoping for, if he really is Lord and when he speaks it's really that important, then we have to have an attitude of openness and discernment where we say, Lord, speak to me and you are Lord and I will trust you and I will do whatever. There's an attitude of openness. And I think most of us, our discernment stalls out right here because we're not actually willing to do that. It's much easier to say, you know what, I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it and just really hope that God blesses it. And to actually have that level of humility and that level of trust where we can say, Jesus, you really are Lord, and as Lord, you really get to call the shots, and I will lead where you tell me to go. I read an article this week that was challenging. It was American, a Christian American was writing about discernment, and he was saying, this kind of level of openness means, let's just imagine... For those people who are Christians in the states who are politically conservative, imagine if you felt like the Lord saying to you in the last election, I want you to vote for Hillary Clinton. And just how that might feel like that is against what I believe politically, and I have these biblical concerns. Or on the flip side, if you're a more liberal Christian, if God told you I want you to vote for Donald Trump, and we have an election coming up in a few weeks, right? What if God told you, I want you to vote for the win Liberals? That's as political as we'll get this morning, we'll leave that there. (laughs) But that is what openness looks like, is at least the openness to say, God, I will do what you want me to do. I will go where you tell me to go. I will vote for who you tell me to vote because I'm gonna have this posture that doesn't just say today or tomorrow, I'm gonna go and do whatever I want. But Lord, your will is the most important thing. And so if we don't have this, then it's going to be really hard to hear from God because we're not actually open to whatever he has to say. And so there's a humility. And again, just as importantly, a trust involved there. The humility that says, you are Lord and I will follow. And the trust that says, even if it's not where I want to go, I will trust that it will be good anyway. I trust that it will work out. The second thing we need to hear from God is self-awareness. This is a growing sense of self-awareness that will develop over our lifetime, hopefully. Proverbs 21.2 says, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the hearts. We all have things that we bring to the table when it comes to discernment. Uh, God is speaking to our souls. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And yet, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of our own junk in there still as well. So, part of growing in self awareness is just being aware of where our our selfish things, where our sinful things, where our baggage, uh, where different aspects of our personality might be tainting our discernment. They might be affecting that. That if the Holy Spirit is going to speak to my soul, that if I'm an emotional person by nature, then my emotions might get mixed up in my sense of the Lord's leading. If I'm a really structured person, then that sense of structure might get really mixed up uh, in the Lord's leading. If I'm really confident, charge ahead, get things done, then I might hear from God that I'm always supposed to charge ahead and get things done. And if I'm really cautious and more laid back, then I might always have a sense that God just wants me to be cautious. And lay back because our own self can get mixed up in the discernment and so the big thing with this is uh, again just being aware we're always going to be who we are and hopefully we're becoming more like Jesus but to have some self-awareness where might myself be getting mixed up in hearing God's voice and other people can be really helpful in helping us determine that so we need openness we need some self-awareness ever-increasing and then we need courage the last one 2nd Timothy 1 7 but for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit comes to send us out. The Spirit comes to move us forward. The Spirit gives us the power to go and do that. And so if we are open enough to say, Lord, uh, I will do whatever you want, and and I will go wherever you tell me to go. If we have some self-awareness where we say, I know where my own personality might be tainting my discernment, and so I'm able to kind of work on that and put that aside. The last part is we then need the courage to actually go and do it. And we might stall out there as well, because if the Lord speaks and says, I want you to sell everything you have and embrace a life of poverty as a missionary in in Africa somewhere, then we actually have to be willing to go and do it. And if we want to grow in our discernment, it's not just about how do I hear his voice, it's about how do I hear his voice and then obey that sense of leading. And if we don't do both of those things, then we don't grow in our gift. If we are willing to do both of those things, then we start to grow because God says, I can trust this person, that if I speak to them, they'll actually listen and do it. And the gift gets sharper, and our sense of things gets clearer. So we actually need the courage to walk it out. So these are the things we need just to kind of check ourselves on. Am I actually open to God speaking, uh, even if it's something that I didn't expect? Am I growing in my self-awareness to help me discern? And do I have the courage to actually live this out? I don't think anybody has it all or has it all figured out, but these are the things that we just want to be aware of. So as we are working on that, Ignatius then says, there's three ways, basically, that God speaks to us. Uh, And I'm just going to use nicknames that one of my professors, to talk about the three stages. The first one my prof called the blast. There are times when God just speaks and it is undeniable. And some people have heard an audible voice. Some people have heard a crystal clear voice from within. Some people have had angelic visitations. Some people have had dreams and visions. There's a few different ways it can happen. But there are times when God just speaks clearly. It is just undeniable that we've heard from him. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Paul is struggling with something in his life. And he says, three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So it wasn't like, uh, I just had a gentle nudge that this was the way I was supposed to go. It's like, no, Jesus spoke to me. If you have a Bible, those letters will be in red. He knows he heard from Jesus on this matter. And so there are times where that happens. And uh, I think, you know, sometimes when we talk about discernment, there are people, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, and there was a lot of God told me this, and God told me that, and God told me this, and God told me that. And people hear that and have an expectation of this. And I think that's not actually the case. I think this level of revelation is very rare. And I can say I have had it one time in my life where I know for sure that I heard from God without a doubt. And honestly, it came because I was heading into a very rough season, and the the revelation was just so clear, because when things got really rough, I was able to lean on that moment where I know he spoke, and that's what helped get me through. So if you want God to speak clearly, I remember one pastor preaching once, and people would always say, I want to see angels. And he said, no, you don't. When an angel shows up, your life is about to get so nuts that God not Wants to toss you a bone and give you a good moment because it's about to get crazy, and you're going to need to lean on that moment to get through whatever weirdness. And when you read the Bible, that is exactly what happens an angel shows up because things are about to get crazy. So, of course, this would be nice if God spoke that clearly every single time, but again, it seems when He speaks that clearly, it's usually because the road's about to get real bumpy. Uh, and so, I think these kinds of things are, are pretty rare. The second way that he talks about, this will be a lot more common, uh, my prof called the sense. In 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul is teaching the church and he's talking about marriage. Marriage and singleness. Marriage is a wonderful blessing from God. Singleness is a wonderful blessing from God. They're not better than the other. Both are wonderful blessings from God. At the end of the passage in verse 39 and 40, he's wrapping up and he says, I think that I too have the spirit of God. Which is interesting because often when prophets are speaking in the Bible, they say, thus saith the Lord, God is speaking. And that's not what Paul says here. Paul is talking about it and he says, yeah, I just sense that the Spirit is in what I'm saying right now. It's not even a a strong definitive statement. It's, It's just, I believe that God is in what I'm writing to you right now. And so sometimes when it comes to discernment, it's not a clear voice, but there is just a sense of this is the right way to go. And we can call it uh, an intuition uh, or an inner feeling, or sometimes it's like a light bulb of clarity where I just go, aha, there's my solution. Uh, Sometimes it's just uh, a sense of peace that this is the right direction to go. Uh, Sometimes people may have just a, a picture of something or a sense of a word comes, you know, sort of rises up from within. There's a lot of ways it can happen, but it's not necessarily... A crystal clear thing, but it's just at the end of it you can say, I just have a sense that I'm supposed to do this. This just feels right. Uh, And there's peace that goes alongside that. And so I think when Pentecostals are saying, God told me, God told me, God told me, they're actually talking about this level a lot more. And if we practice this a lot, we can get very confident in a good way in that sense of things. You get to learn this is what the leading of the Holy Spirit feels like. This is what the anointing of the Lord feels like as we practice that. And so there is that level as well. And I think uh, a lot of us maybe are in that point where we're making big decisions, and there was just kind of, after prayer, after discussion, uh, there's just peace about heading in this way. And so that's the second way. The third way, my prof called the silence, which is a little bit misleading, um, because it's not actually that God is silent. But the third way, Ignatius says is, so if you haven't gotten the blast where you hear from God crystal clearly, and if you don't really have even a sense of where the Spirit is leading, then in those moments, when you still need to figure things out, it means that God God is trusting you with the God-given gifts he has given you to wrestle through this and figure it out. So God has given you wisdom. He has given you insight. He has given you logic. He has given you reason. He has given you other people in your life. And so if you haven't heard the divine voice from heaven and you don't have a clear sense of uh, an inner sense of the Spirit's leading, then God is trusting you to wrestle through this and come to the right decision. And so when Ignatius talks about this level, uh, he gives a list of very practical things we can do. He says things like, so sit down and make a pros and cons list. He was, that was 1500s. They were still doing that back then write a list of the good things and the bad things take some time to try and imagine the consequences if you go down this road versus going down this road find brothers and sisters that you trust and talk it out with them bathe all of this in prayer try to take your emotion out of it and try to look at it as an outsider completely objectively what would you do in that solution and as you go through all of these just very practical things there will be a point where you come to a conclusion And as you've prayed through it, and as you have trusted what God has given you to work with, uh, trust that you have landed on God's will, especially when other people agree with it and agree with that sense of discernment. And so it's not really silence. That's a bit of a misleading term, but it's when when there hasn't been an obvious voice or an obvious leading, then God is trusting you to wrestle through this. And this is how Meadowbrook makes a lot of decisions. We get together, uh, and we, we wrestle through it, and we talk about it. And it comes from the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, where there's a theological decision that the church needs to make. There's a disagreement about theology. They need to decide what they believe. And so they get together, the apostles and the elders, and they wrestle through it. And there's never a point in the process where God clearly speaks to the group. And these are prophets and apostles, but there's never a moment where someone comes and says, hey, I heard from God, and here's where we should go. There's not a moment where the heavens open or an angel shows up. That happens in the book of Acts, but not here. In Acts 15, as they're trying to discern the right way to go, they get together, they pray, they have testimonies on both sides, they weigh the evidence they, they kick it around, they debate, and they discuss, and at the end, they come to agreement, and as they come to agreement, uh, they tell the church what their decision is in verse 28. They say, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that this is the right way to go. Again, it's not, thus saith the Lord. It's, you know what, we have debated, discussed, done our homework, prayed about it, heard testimony, weighed the evidence, and as we come into agreement, we, it, just, it seems like this is the way that the Holy Spirit is leading us. We we believe we have found his will. Uh, And so we are going to walk in that. And so three ways Ignatius talks about God speaks. There's the blast, which is very rare. There is the sense of things, which is more common. And then even in the silence where we don't get the first two, it doesn't mean we can't hear from God. And so there's something for every season. There's something for every part of life that we are in. Something else Ignatius said as we are trying to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. He said, we need to ask ourselves, what's going on in my soul right now? Because God is speaking to our soul. He is speaking to us on the inside. But again, there's a lot of other stuff going on inside every one of us, right? There is a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of not good stuff because we are not perfect people. And so as God is speaking to our souls, we want to pay attention to how is my soul doing these days? Am I in a peaceful place? Am I in a joyful place? Am I in a frustrated place? Am I in an angry place? Because those things might uh, take a, a different direction than what God is actually saying. So he talks about... Two seasons called consolation and desolation. If our soul is in a state of consolation, the word consolation means comfort. And in the season of consolation, God feels very close. Uh, we are feeling his presence, maybe not tangibly, but we're feeling his presence. We are knowing his peace. We are stirred in our faith. We are excited. We are feeling connected to other believers. We are uh, just full of, of new ideas, new direction. The peace and hope of God are there. We can see where he is working in our lives, and it's very energizing. It's exciting when we are there. The Holy Spirit is clearly at work, and that is exciting. Our soul's in a good place. And it has nothing to do with, con- or with circumstances of our lives. Our lives can be falling apart, and our soul can still be in a place of peace with God. And so this is where the Spirit is clearly and obviously at work. This is where we sense His presence. This is where a lot of of us are feeling close to God and intimate with God, and and it's a good place to be. Uh, And so we want to be there, obviously, but we're not always there, because our soul can be in consolation. Our soul can also be in desolation. It's also sometimes called the wilderness or the desert. And where the other one, we are feeling full of the spirit and close to the spirit, and things are, are, are feeling uh, just very energizing. Uh, the wilderness is the opposite spot. Desolation is where uh, it's not that God leaves, but we maybe lose that sense of His imminent presence. It maybe doesn't feel like He's as close as we were. And it tends to turn us inwards. There's usually some negative feelings associated with it. It pulls us away from other people. We get frustrated, we want to give up. Uh, it tends to take over everything. We don't feel that peace and hope in the same way. It's It's harder to see where God is at work, and it's not energizing at all. It's tiring. And so we have these two seasons, consolation and desolation, and your soul will go through both of them as you walk with Jesus. There are times where we feel very close to him. There's times where it feels like he's absent. And in consolation, it's amazing. That's where we are filled up. That's where our hope and our faith are transformed. Desolation is not nearly as fun uh, because that's where it feels like the enemy's at us and our flesh is acting up and it doesn't feel like God is there. And yet in consolation, our faith and hope get formed. In desolation, that's where our character gets formed formed. That's where we're tested and tried. That's where Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years, as we just read, to be tested and tried. Even Jesus had to head out into the wilderness as his ministry was starting. And so there is a, a time of desolation as well. Consolation and desolation. And Ignatius's big thing, and this could be the biggest thing I tell you today, is Ignatius says, never, 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 never make an important decision when your soul is in a place of desolation. Never make an important decision there because there's just too much of your flesh bubbling up and and the enemy might be at you. And what can happen is, you know, we feel turmoil in our soul and we're just looking for peace. And so we start making decisions looking for that peace that may or may not be God. And so we grab onto things that we shouldn't or we grab onto people that we shouldn't. And so don't ever make decisions when your soul's in that place of desolation, even if life is falling apart we can still have moments of consolation where God leads us. Uh, When Sarah and I got called to Sudbury... We were in a wilderness season, and, uh, and it was hard because we were looking for a job, and in order to get out of that feeling of frustration and that lack of peace and, and everything that goes with desolation, we might have taken any job we could because we were just, we really desperately needed a job, and it was just, we were trying to find that sense of peace, and God was faithful to not let us do that and shut those doors, and then this church in Sudbury opened, and we would have never gone to Sudbury in 100 million years. It's super far and super cold, and the church was in rough shape, and we wanted wanted to stay in the south of Ontario where our family was and we would be leaving everybody to head up there. We did not want to go at all and we were not in a great place in that moment. And yet when we talked to the church and as we prayed about it, consolation came to our souls in that moment. And there was a peace that showed up that said, this is where we're supposed to go. There was a stirring. There was an excitement. There was an energizing that came that said, you know what? This is not our first choice. This is not where we would love to go, but we have peace in our souls as we pray about it that we're going in the right direction. And we were. And so even in a desolate season, God can show up with consolation to lead us in the way that we should go. And so when we're trying to hear from God, we just want to be aware what's going on inside me right now. Because I don't want to make a bad decision uh, just because I'm frustrated or feeling spiritually dry and I'm trying to get out of it as quickly as possible by going in a direction that I shouldn't go. Almost done and we're gonna go a couple minutes over just because we had a lot today. Uh, We're told by 1 John 4 1 that we are to test the spirits. That not every spirit speaking to us is the Holy Spirit. That our own spirit, our own soul is speaking. The spirit of the world is speaking. Evil spirits are speaking. So we're told in 1 John, test what you think you're hearing. Not everything you're hearing is from God. So it's just very simply how we can do that as we get ready to close. First of all, most importantly, we have the Holy Spirit. And we don't ever want to be so worried about the enemy that we make God less than he is. The Holy Spirit is here, and Jesus promised he will lead you into all truth. You have a built-in truth detector all the time within you. And he is speaking, and his job and his heart's desire is to lead us into all truth and in the way that we should go. And so let's always lean on that first and foremost. The Holy Spirit is there to lead us in the way that we should go. We also have the Scripture. Uh, And the Holy Spirit breathed the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit will not breathe anything into my soul that contradicts the Scripture. The Scripture is there to keep us safe. It is the foundation of our faith, and so we are always wanting to make sure that if I feel like God is telling me something, does this line up with Scripture? Is it consistent with the Bible? Um, We wouldn't say the Bible is the only way that God speaks, but we would say it's the clearest and the most authoritative way that God speaks. It's the final word on everything. So all discernment needs to be checked against Scripture. And then the last one is the spiritual family. Our our church, our brothers and sisters in Jesus. Uh, If the Holy Spirit is saying something to me, you have the exact same Holy Spirit living in you. And he should confirm to you that what I'm saying is right. And so we have to help each other discern. Nobody can or should try to hear from God by themselves. And so there's three little ways that are going to help keep us on track, the spirit, the scripture, and the spiritual family. But this is important. It's all three of those together at the same time. It is not just one because my sense of the spirit could very well be wrong or your interpretation of a certain passage of scripture might be off track. And so the spiritual family is there to help bring all of this together uh, to make sure we're hearing from the word correctly, to make sure we're hearing from the spirit correctly. When all three of these things are checked off in Sarah's and my life, we're confident we've heard from God when we have that sense of peace and stirring moving forward, when it's consistent with the Word, and when other believers that we trust affirm it, we are confident that we've heard from God. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. If you have any questions about the message today, we have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca, and that is where, uh, yeah, we just love to keep chatting. If there's anything you want to chat about from the sermon this morning, uh, we can do it by email. We can get together in person. We would be happy to do that. So discernment is the art of us discovering what God already knows. We are going to grow in our godliness if we're going to be like Jesus. If God is actually still speaking, then if we're going to follow him, it is crucially important that we learn how to hear his voice. And again, it is an art. It is a grown gift. It is a growing skill. Uh, No one does it perfectly. And so we are just wanting to, to grow in this more and more and have that hope and have that peace that comes of knowing he's already got it figured out. And so to not carry the burden and the stress on myself of, I need to figure it all out. He's done that already. I need to learn to tune into him and hear his voice. And so in terms of next steps, I'm hoping something in the sermon hit you today. You know where you're at, and you know what this looks like for you. And so for some of us, maybe it's, you know what, I have never asked to hear his voice ever and and that's okay that's amazing that you're here today maybe that's just the first step of lord i want to hear your voice i want to know how to follow your leading and maybe if you've got some experience in that maybe it's just i want to sharpen this i want to go deeper i want to pay more attention maybe it's i can hear okay sometimes But I don't always follow through with it. I don't always step out in obedience. And maybe it's for the courage to step out and do that. We'll leave it with you to wrestle through the next step. But if God is speaking, we want to hear his voice. And if we really honor him as Lord, then it's going to mean saying you're Lord over all of it. And I will go where you call me to go. And I will say what you call me to say. And I will do what you want me to do. Because you are the good shepherd. And in trusting your goodness... I will follow the voice of the one who loves me. We're going to spend some time in worship just quickly before we go. Would you stand to your feet with me, please?
1: Just as we wrap up our service, I'm going to call up our prayer team to come forward. Um, If you are needing prayer, I encourage you to come come forward and let us pray over you this morning. Um, If you are not needing prayer, I just ask that you visit outside in our lobby or in the cafe. Uh, But before we end our service, let's close with a word of prayer. God may all our delight be in you. Lord, I thank you just for what you placed on Chris's heart this morning to teach us, Lord, that um, we can hear for you and we need to seek out your presence, Lord, so we know what you are telling us, God. We need to be in the word. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, God, in order for us to see what you have for our lives. Lord, I ask that as we leave this building this morning, that you would unveil our eyes, God, that you would reveal yourself to us in a new way, Lord, because we know that when we see you for who you truly are, God, that we will never be the same. So I ask that for each and every person in this building, God, that as we leave, we would seek to hear your voice because we know that if we seek you with all of our heart, God, we will, we will find you. You will make yourself known to us, Lord. So I ask that for us this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Have a good Sunday, everyone.